sin was as black as could be. Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. The word became flesh and the light shined among us, his glory revealed. Living he loved me, dying he saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Rising he justified freely forever. One day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on a tree. Suffering in anguish, despised and rejected, bearing our sin, my Redeemer is He. The hand that healed nations stretched out on a tree and took the nails for me. far away, rising he justified freely forever, one day he's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day, glorious
Thank you, Mark. That was a glorious day. Will be a glorious day. I can hardly wait. Jesus is coming. Take your Bible, if you will, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I've now been married 40 years. Longer than I've been alive. Nope, nope, nope. Not longer than I've been alive. Longer than I've been an adult. I was terribly young when I got married. Found it? Ephesians chapter 5? Let's begin reading in verse 18. You follow along as I read aloud. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Woohoo! As unto the Lord. I'm sorry, that was a little paraphrase in there. <coughs> Insert. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Man. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular... So love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. And then just so nobody gets left out. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. And why? That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you to take your word and drive it deep into our hearts this morning. Dear Lord, cause our minds to see clearly what it is you have to say to us. Dear Lord, do not allow us just to think about it and pass it off, but use it to change us. Your design is to purify your church, to sanctify it, that you might present us to yourself without spot and without blemish. Lord, that's our request this morning. 
We want to be pure before you. Bless now your word. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Men like to start reading this chapter in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Yeah. But to do that, you have to ignore what God says first, before that, in order to have a loving home that pictures Christ and the church. In order for that to happen, we must be filled with the Spirit. Notice it says, be not drunk with wine. I posted an interesting article yesterday on Facebook, last night on Facebook, should a Christian drink alcohol? Okay? Or can a Christian drink alcohol, I think is the title of it. Okay? The, the question is not can we, the question is should we? Should we? You say, well, why wouldn't we? Be able to. Paul said, there's nothing that I can't do. Everything is lawful unto me. Isn't that right? Sure. So what about drinking alcohol? Oh, let me just throw this out. Whatever parents practice in moderation, children practice in excess. Okay? As far as I know, nobody in the Casey family drinks alcohol. Why not? Because our grandfather on my mother's side, who started out as a Methodist deacon, began having a social drink on occasion. And it wasn't very long before he was always drunk. But especially late at night after he'd gotten off work and gotten and met the boys out in the hunting cabin and they had been consuming alcohol for, for a few hours, he would come home and he was a mean drunk. Okay? You say, what do you mean a mean drunk? I mean, he'd get all the kids up. Six of them. Four girls, two boys. Get his wife up out of bed. She'd been working hard all day. Working in the garden or working in the kitchen or working in the house, doing laundry and, and trying to keep up with a family of eight. Trying to feed them. They didn't run to the grocery store every time they needed something. They ran to the garden. Get her up at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Line them all up against the wall in the living room. Since he'd been to the hunting cabin, he always had his rifle or shotgun. And he'd come in. Line them up and point that gun at them and say, all right, I'm sick of this. I'm tired of you not listening to me and not doing what I tell you. The first one of you that makes a sound or moves, I'm going to kill you. Seriously? A father to his children? It didn't happen just once. It happened over and over and over again. Finally, in a drunken stupor, He'd pass out. My grandmother and the boys would help get him into bed. She'd hide his gun. Of course, the next day when he demanded it, she'd have to get it back for him, but she'd hide his gun that night, put all the kids back in bed. You say, Brother Casey, how old were you when you found out about this stuff? Oh, I was a teenager. 
But I knew there was a problem long before that. Why? Because when we'd go to see Grandma, Grandpa was always mean. Okay? He loved us. He loved for us to give him a big hug. He had a rough, scraggly beard that he'd always rub against our neck and cause burn marks on it, you know? But when we'd run past him on the porch, he'd reach out with his cane and hook us by the leg, try to trip us, you know? And he'd laugh, so we'd think it was funny. Somehow we never did. Be not drunk with wine. The question is not can you. The question is should you. Should you. I visited too many guys in the hospital with the shakes. You know? Too many guys whose minds and livers have been destroyed by alcohol for me to think that there's anything good about it. Okay? You say, wait a minute, Brother, Brother Casey, didn't Jesus drink wine? Jesus used a little bit of the alcohol in wine to purify the drinking water. But that's not the same as drinking it straight out of the bottle. You say, do you do that? No, I don't. I use chlorine. They put it in for me down at the city well. Okay? If they didn't, I'd probably have to. Okay? As long as we're getting our drinking water out of Mississippi, we've got to be careful we do something to it. Used to be able to drink out of the springs, Living Springs can't. But there's no clean spring water in the state of Missouri anymore. It's all got bacteria in it. That has nothing at all to do with the message. I just wanted to throw that out there. Because we are to be filled with the Spirit. How can we have a happy home, a successful marriage, a, a marriage that will last for the long term. Number one, recognize your commitment. Yesterday, we had, yesterday morning we had a wedding here and two kids, a young man and a young woman, made a vow to each other and to God that they were going to live together till death parted them. Not only were they going to live together, they were going to keep themselves only to each other for as long as they both shall live. They promised they were going to love, cherish, and honor one another. A bunch of the rest of us made that kind of promise different times in our lives. Young couple in Kansas City counseled with they were having difficulty and the uh, the husband was telling me what was going on and quite honestly he took responsibility for the problems and uh, which was right because he was the problem and I said I just I it seems like I wasn't there but it seems like you and and your wife probably stood across from each other and vowed that you were going to love honor and cherish each other Till death parted you. Is that right? And he said, yeah, that's exactly what we did. I said, so do you keep your word or not? Oh, man, his mouth dropped open. He ducked his head. He said, I guess not. 
I said, would you keep your word to me? He said, well, sure, Brother Casey. Would you keep your word to the guys that you work with? Well, sure. Then why not keep your word to your wife? Hmm. Remember the commitment. The book of Ecclesiastes says, if a man makes a vow to vow, make sure that you pay your vow. God has no pleasure with fools. Don't say to the angel, oh, I made a mistake. Lest God be angry and destroy the works of your hands. When you make a vow, keep your vow. You say, well, Brother Casey, what if I already messed up? What if it's my second marriage or third marriage or whatever? You are responsible to the individual you are now married to. Keep your vow. Secondly, keep a happy home. How do you do that? He says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Do you do that? Do you go around singing? Came into church from Sunday school a while ago. Ben met me back here in the back and he said, uh, I ran up and I picked him up and he hugged me and he said, Grandpa, I want to sing to you. I said, okay, sing. He said, no, I've got to get my book. So, so I put him down, he went over and got the handle and flipped that dude open and we sang Jesus Loves Me twice, all the way through. Yeah. I don't know what that does for you, but man, that keeps me from being grouchy. I cannot sing songs about the Lord Jesus Christ and be whining and complaining. And I've noticed that people who whine and complain are not singing songs of joy and praise to God. You can't do but one thing at a time. If you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to be speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Notice it does not say making melody to the Lord. It says making melody in your heart to the Lord. I recognize that some of us can't sing. We can't carry a tune in a bucket, no matter how big the bucket is. But the Scripture doesn't say we have to sing beautifully. It says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And anybody can do that. Anybody can make a joyful noise to the Lord. I like the song Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. Because on that second part, you can go, Praise ye the Lord! It doesn't even sound like singing. It sounds like people shouting. And that is perfectly acceptable to God. Clap your hands, O oh you people. Lift, shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph, the psalmist tells us. Number three, giving thanks always. This is verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you give thanks and complain at the same time? You have to be pretty creative if you're going to. That's all I got to tell you. Had a problem at the bank this past week. Actually, somebody else in the family had a problem at the bank this week. So I said, I'll go down and take care of it. Went down there. Complimented the lady I spoke to. Always good to start off sweet. 
explain the situation to her, and she said, yes, that's correct. There's nothing I can do about it. And I said, when you tell this other person no, they see red. When you tell me no, I see opportunities for creativity. I said, that's all you can do about it. But what else can you do? She said, what? I said, what else can you do? There's got to be a way to help the situation. And the reason I came to you is because I know you are the person who can do it. Nobody else can take care of situations like this like you do. That's why you get the big bucks. Okay? I shouldn't have said that because she doesn't get the big bucks. But she appreciated me thinking she did. And instead of waiting three and a half weeks, we're having to wait three days. Okay? Why? Because I am thankful. I am thankful. You say, what if she couldn't have done anything? I still would have been thankful because she tried. Why can I not do that to God? I woke up this morning and God allowed me to put my feet on the floor. Okay? You say, why do you thankful for that? Because they didn't want to go. <laughs> they wanted to lay there. I put my feet on the floor and stood up. Somebody said, <clears throat> were you up at the crack of dawn? And I texted them back and I said, no, but I heard something crack. I thought maybe it was my back. Glad to hear it was the crack of dawn. <laughs> Giving thanks always for all things. Which brings up a curious question. What things occur in your life that do not fit inside that word all? I mean, what does all mean? Means almost everything? No. Does it mean a lot of things? No. What's it mean? It means everything. All. Giving thanks always for all things. But but God, that hurt. Well, yeah, it hurt. No pain, no gain. How else is he going to demonstrate that his grace is sufficient? If we don't allow Him to put us in situations where we need grace. Number four. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now most husbands would like to take that verse out. Instead we just skip over it. Husbands submitting to their wives. Whoa, what does that mean? Oh, I can tell you what it means. It means the wife ought to be the queen of your castle. If she's the queen of your castle, somebody ought to be treating her like a queen. And who better to do that than the king? Mary said something to me, I think it was this morning. Uh, and uh, I tried to talk her out of it. And she said, oh, well, okay, never mind then. And... Uh, I said, no, I'm going to do it. And she said, why? And I said, because your wish is my command. You're the queen. I'm going to get what you want. Took care of it. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. 
Why would I treat her like that? You say, well, because you love her. Well, okay. But I don't always feel like I love her. Okay? She can be less than lovable. There have been those occasions. Okay? Why would I treat her like that? Because God said to, she is his child. Why would I not treat God's child like she was somebody special? Don't you think you're somebody special because God loves you? Paid an incredible price for you? Certainly. If you're a child of God, you are somebody special. Jesus has gone home to prepare a place for you. Not just any old place. A place for you. My father's house are many mansions, he said. And I go to prepare a place for you. Number five. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Oh, here's the problem. As the church is subject unto Christ. Is our church subject unto Christ? Do we obey Christ? Does our church seek the will of Christ and the will of God before anything? Or are we worried about our reputation as a church? Are we worried about what people are going to think? Are we worried about the pastor doing something crazy? If you're worried about that, forget it. The pastor is crazy. Everything he does is probably crazy. No, the purpose of the church is to bring glory and honor to God. And the only way we can do that is to submit to the Word of God and the will of God. That's why in our business meetings, I rarely ever ask, okay, do you think we ought to do this? No matter what we think. What matters is what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Do we sense that this is something the Holy Spirit wants the church to do? And if it is, let's do it. Let's get started. It's not lag behind him. As the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. You know where wives learn submission? From their husbands. Submitting to one another. And submitting to Christ because he's the head of the church. What, Brother Casey? Wait, I thought their parents were supposed to teach them to be submissive and to be subjective, and then the husbands were just supposed to demand it. Not. Does Christ demand your submission? No. He commands your submission, but you get to choose whether you're going to be submissive to Him or not. It's voluntary, it's always voluntary. And so wives can voluntarily submit to their husbands. But the husbands ought to be voluntarily submitting to Christ in everything. Got to move on. Number six, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. 
even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's pretty cool. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. If Christ is willing to die for us, what else would he give us? What else would he do for us? If I'm willing to die for my wife, why wouldn't I be willing to get up in the middle of the night and go get her a glass of water? You say, Brother Casey, that doesn't ever happen, does it? doesn't happen near as often as it used to, praise the Lord. Yeah, the first 20 years we were married, she'd wake up in the middle of the night and roll over and say, Randy, are you asleep? (laughs) I have no idea how many times she said it, but eventually I would not be asleep and I would hear it. I'd say, "Uh, I was. I'm awake now. Good. Would you go get me a drink of water? Who does that? Well, she did. And I'd get up, go in the kitchen, get her a drink of water. I said, Brother Casey, you're nuts. No, I'm crafty. <laughs> because the next afternoon when I'm laying back in my recliner and I say, husband, uh, when I, and I say, wife, would you go get me a glass of iced tea? I'm thinking, if she doesn't remember me getting up in the middle of the night to go get her a glass of water, I'm going to remind her. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So, how do they know that we love them? First of all, you got to say it. You got to say it. There's all kinds of great stories about guys telling their wives they love them. Like the guy who they got married in front of the Justice of the Peace, and the guy raised his bride's veil and he kissed her and he said I love you I don't want to have to tell you again another guy kissed his wife and said honey I love you if anything changes I'll let you know truth of the matter is you can say it over and over again but if you don't demonstrate it it's meaningless but she wants to hear it anyway. So say it. Okay? She wants to hear it, so say it. I love you. But love is not an emotion. Love is an action verb. It's not passive, it's active. If you say, I love you, there's got to be some way you can show that you love them. With my wife, it's fix her a piece of toast. She's sitting beside me on the couch, and she says, would you, get, would you fix me a piece of toast and scrambled egg? And I'm thinking, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. She's got two arms and two legs. How come I have to fix the toast and, ba- and the eggs? But I don't ever say that. I say, sure. What do you want on your toast? And get up. Why? Because I love her. And there was 
six-year period when I didn't love her after I promised I would. I'm not ever going to let that happen again. I made a promise to love her, and I'm going to keep my word. So whatever she wants, I try to get it for her. If she says, surprise me, wow, that opens the doors of possibility. If I don't do anything, she says, well, aren't you going to do anything? And I say, surprise! <laughs> but you've got to do something often enough that it is a surprise or it doesn't work. <clears throat> no, what I'm telling you is, love is an active verb. If you're going to say I love you, you've got to show that you love them. Okay? And how do you do that? By meeting their needs, by finding out what they like, and giving them what they enjoy, giving them what they like. Okay? Getting up in the morning thinking, I'm going to love my wife today. What can I do so that she'll know? Why does Christ love the church? So that he can sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So that he can present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. In order for that to happen, husbands have to learn to say, Several things that do not come natural to us. We have to learn to say, I was... What's that word? Wrong. Oh, okay, wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. I'm sorry. But don't ever let it stop there, man. Because often when you say, I'm sorry, they're going to be thinking, yeah, you are sorry. Okay? So the next phrase is more important than the first one. Will you forgive me? If you're going to apologize to somebody, don't ever just say, I apologize. Okay? Because that requires no response from them. You ask the question, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? That puts the ball in their court. They've got to do something with it. And they can say, no, I don't forgive you. And you are off the hook. You have done what the scripture commanded you to do. And now they've got to live with their problem of an unforgiving spirit. I'm telling you, that's the way to do it. Husbands need to learn to say that to their wives. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Secondly, don't ever say you always or you never. Unless it's about something really, really sweet. Okay? Because people have a tendency to exaggerate. And the truth of the matter is, nobody always does something or never does something. But we use that term when we're fighting. And that's not fair fighting. If you're going to fight fair, hold hands. Okay? I recommend holding both hands. Zinchi's got to pull away to slap you. Actually, no, holding hands doesn't lend itself to fighting. 
Okay? It, it brings about a different emotion. Kind of diffuses the situation. But always tell the truth. And do it in love. Okay? Don't keep dragging up the past. God doesn't do that to you. Once you confess sin and He forgives you, He doesn't ever remember it again. He never brings it up again. And we can do that as children of God. And the last thing, not the last thing, the last thing under number six, not the last thing I'm going to say, is a question that just freaks them out. Okay? You husbands want to freak out your wife? Ask this question. Can I help you? Yeah. Several women went, what did he say? Can I help you? He said, but Brother Casey, I just put in eight hard hours at work. Yeah, while she sat there with her feet up watching TV, right? So where would the clean clothes come from? Where would the clean kitchen, the clean bathroom, and the clean bedroom come from? Okay. Oh, never mind. I know. It was the housekeeping fairies. <laughs> no, it was the wife. Number seven. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular. That means... He's not talking to all the other men. He's talking to you. Okay? He's not talking to all the other men. He's talking to you. Let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife even as himself. Truth of the matter is, most guys have no problem at all loving themselves. Okay? A guy wants a new toy, does he tell Santa Claus? Or does he just go get it? He just goes and gets it. Why? Because it's for him. And he loves him. That's just the way we are. We are to love our wives in particular the way we love ourselves. So if my wife wants something, what do I do? I tell Santa Claus. I write him about three times a year. No, I'm kidding. No. I start figuring out ways to get it for her. I've searched the internet for something she wants now. Finally found one, and I'm not sure it's the right one. So I'm going to somebody that's got one and see where they got theirs. Not very expensive, but it's something she wants. I'm going to get it. Why? Because there's something I want, and I'm going to get it too. (laughs) But I'm going to love her the way I love me. And the wife, see that she reverence her husband. Reverence. Wow. What does that mean? Okay, guys, lean back. Get ready for a ride. We're fixing to have fun. For a wife to reverence her husband 
means that she puts him in Christ's stead. And she yields to him the way the church ought to yield to Christ. And she responds to his love the way we responded to the love of Christ when we first found out that Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. And you say, but Brother Casey, you don't know him. You don't know what he's like. And you're absolutely right. But God knows, and he's the one that said to do it. So take it up with him. But you can't not do it and be obedient to God. That's what I'm telling you. Husbands, you can't not love your wife and not act like you love your wife and not treat your wife in a loving manner without being disobedient to God. Wives, reverence your husband. Wow. When a woman reverences her husband, it makes him feel like a king. Woo. When a man feels like a king, it makes him want to treat his wife like a queen. See? Now, some of, you, some of us guys need to study queens. What do you mean? I mean, start watching British TV and see if the Queen of England ever opens a door for herself. I bet she hadn't opened a door for herself in the last 70 years. So seriously, seriously, she walks up to the door and either Lord Snowden or some other man grabs that door handle and opens that thing for her. And we go out, jump in the car, and wait for her. And in case she doesn't know we're waiting for her, we honk the horn. You know? That's the I love you when you're on time signal. Okay? Beat it. Oh. oh, my goodness. You say, why in the world would we want to do that? Because the world needs to know that Christ loves His church. And the only way He's going to know that is if Christian men treat their wives the way Christ treats the church. And if wives yield to their husbands the way that the church is supposed to yield to Christ. You see, it's all part of a big picture. The wedding yesterday, I got to hurry. The wedding yesterday was a picture of Christ's willingness to sacrifice for the church. I played the part of God the Father. It's pretty cool. Okay? The groom played the part of the Lord Jesus Christ. The bride played the part of the church. And the bride's father played the part of the Holy Spirit. And I asked the groom, will you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Will you love her, honor her, cherish her, keep you only to her so long as you both shall live? And he said, I will. Now, back in the old days, he would say that after he had paid a bride price. Whatever it might be. And Jesus paid the ultimate bride price for us when he died on the cross of Calvary for us. To purchase us from Satan because we belong to him as a result of our sin and we were on our way to hell with him. 
Jesus said, no. I'll pay. I'll give my life for them if you'll let them go. And then I turned to the bride. I said, will you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? To love him? To honor him? Cherish him? To obey him? So long as you both shall live, keep keeping yourself only in him, so long as you both shall live? She said, I will. Wow. I thought, they don't have a clue what they're getting into. It's not because I didn't try to tell them. I'll go ahead and tell you that. And then, it was a picture of the return of Christ. Because I was up here groom was up here. All the witnesses were up here. And all of a sudden, there was the sound of the trumpet. Da, 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 da. Trumpet fanfare. And we didn't hear the voice of the archangel, but they opened the back doors and the Holy Spirit escorted her up here to meet her groom. And First Thessalonians chapter 4 says that one of these days we're going to hear the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so he didn't go back there to get her. We met her up here. He said, were there clouds? Well, looks like the bride was weeping and her dad was kind of clouding up. So yeah. You clouds. And they got married. And that's what Christ wants for you. He wants you to know that He loves you so much He gave His heart and life. He gave His life and His blood for you. And all He asks from you in return is that you receive Him as your own personal Savior. That you confess your sin. Turn from it. And agree to live with Him for Him throughout all of eternity. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think that's pretty cool. God wants to spend time with me and with you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we stand quietly to our feet. In just a moment, we're going to begin singing a, a verse of song, page 289, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And as we sing, I want to offer you this opportunity. If you do not know for sure that you are saved, that you're going to heaven, then you need this morning to come. Let us take the Word of God and show you how much Jesus loves you and what He did to save you. And you can be saved today. You can receive Him today. You can know that heaven's your home. 249. No, 249. Just as I am. Okay? Now, ready? If you're already saved... You've never taken that first step of obedience in following him in baptism. You need to come. We'll talk about it. Make arrangements for you to get baptized. If you sense that this is a place that God wants you to become a part of, part of this church body, a part of this church family, 
then you come and we'll share with you how we receive members. But that needs to occur within the first couple of verses of the invitation. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Step out and come. Father, we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you would have your perfect will and your way in our hearts and lives this morning. Dear Lord, change our lives, change our homes to reflect the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.